Guys, I hope you woke up today as excited as I am. Be Rich is happening. And if you're new at Grace and you don't know what Be Rich is, let me clarify. Be Rich is a campaign to unleash a wave of generosity in our community through give, serve, and love. Last Sunday, Pastor Derek covered the part of giving for Be Rich, where every dollar donated to Grace Community Church is being given to our local and global nonprofit partners to fund their projects and help them to continue to serve our neighbors. How cool is that? And today, I am launching the serving part of Be Rich. Personally, I don't think we could ever start a serving conversation without bringing up the book of Acts and the early church. So let's dig into it, shall we? In the book of Acts, we find a group of people as generous as they can be. We learn that the early church lived from a place of confidence and security. They were absolutely sure that God would supply and fulfill all of their needs. So instead of holding on to their possessions tightly out of fear or greed, they were generous with it and they shared freely with one another. Acts chapter 2 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. This is a group of followers of Christ who remember Jesus' sacrifice every day by congregating in the church, sharing meals, and having communion together. So when we look at a text like that, our 21st century minds immediately go to, okay, so you're telling me I have to come to church every single day because I ain't got time for that. And no, that's not at all what I'm saying. We live in the amazing DC metro area where the average person works over 60 hours a week. So yeah, you don't have the time to come to church every single day just together with people unless you're a part of church staff and that's quite literally your job. The point I would like us to focus here, it's something that any of us can do at this time and age. They remember Jesus every day and that changed everything. The way they lived the way they interacted with one another, and the way they serve each other. On the fourth chapter of Acts, it says that the congregation was so generous that there was not a single needy person among them because people would rally together to raise funds and the apostles distribute to everyone according to their needs. So if you read the passage of Acts 4, 34, 35, you're going to see that people were quite literally selling their homes and lands and bringing that money to the church to support their neighbors. Again, I am not saying that you should do that right now. Don't ignore the historical context. Please keep your house. The point is that the generosity of the early church was way beyond the occasional donations. They were looking at everything they had and making the decision to use it all in the service of their neighbors. 
the devotion that community had with one another was so powerful. And I cannot go on with this sermon without saying this bit. This is the kind of generosity I see at Grace Community Church every day. We host code drives and you guys donate over 500 codes in one weekend. We have this crazy and amazing idea of building a house for a nonprofit in our community and you raised $250,000 in just a couple of months. We needed help to restock a local food bank and you donated enough food to feed over 2,000 families. And just last week, we launched the Beat Rich campaign and once again, you donated over $100,000 to love and support our community. It is a true divine gift to be part of this church. So thank you for your generosity that knows no boundaries. And before I get too emotional, let's get back to the book of Acts. That wave of generosity in the early church and the work of the Holy Spirit empowering the apostles to share the good news of the gospel resulted in that church increasing in numbers. And naturally, when you're increasing in numbers of people, you're also increasing in numbers of need in your community. Acts 6 says, Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily food distribution. The Hellenists were Greek-speaking Jews. Many of those widows were immigrants and with no other source of assistance but the church. As the church grew, this conflict started over the distribution of food. Some Christians believed that the Hellenist widows were being treated unfairly and just completely ignored by the church leadership when it was time to distribute food. So basically, what is happening there is the Hellenist community saying, hey, we are the same in Christ, but we are not seeing that unity when it comes to taking care of our people. We have to do better. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brothers and sisters, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the same pleased the whole multitude. Quick clarification here. The twelve were the apostles of the early church. So these were the guys that witnessed the Christ's resurrection and devoted their lives to evangelism and teaching of the scripture. So these guys were responsible for the church they had established in Jerusalem, the teachings, the prayers, the fellowship, and the distribution of resources to those in need. So talk about burnout, huh? We might read this as the 12 letting us know that they had better things to do than just distributing resources. But that's not at all what's being implied here. Serving tables, it's not on a lower level than prayer and teaching. The work of administering justice to the poor, in this specific case with the food distribution, is just as important as the work of preaching the word. The main tension in this passage is 
How can the 12 do this work better? How to make sure that their community is being taken care of spiritually and physically at the same time? This passage highlights the apostles' humble posture of understanding and admitting that there is a difficult issue coming in their communities, but they might not be the best people to solve it. So this attitude paints a beautiful picture of empowerment among people, especially to the Hellenists as the minorities and the outsiders of that church. As a problem arises that it's affecting their communities, the apostles empowered them to take ownership and see the solution through. And they do just that. They pick seven men who were part of their community. Maybe they were already serving as community leaders. But these were the guys that knew their culture, the language, their context, and their struggles. They chose these guys to be the leaders of the serving table ministry. What I love the most about this passage is that it gives us the understanding that both ministries are forms of public religious service. And both are equally important and necessary to the kingdom of God. The 12 were specifically called to fulfill a spiritual need in their community, to pray over the people, to share the good news of the gospel, and to teach the scriptures, while the seven were called to take care of the physical needs of their community, to provide money, food, resources, and taking care of their people. The beauty is that when those two ministries work together, everyone can see God is on the move. That being said, this short passage also teaches us that when it comes to serving tables and alleviating poverty, good intentions are not enough. The apostles experience firsthand that it is possible to hurt people and ourselves in the process of trying to help them. This ministry of serving tables in our time involves working with many complex and difficult layers like food insecurity, housing insecurity, systemic injustice, and so many others. When Helping Hurts is the title of the book that I go back to so often in my job, to the point that I already added to the list of my favorite books. It is a well-known book in the Christian community, and here at Grace, it's like the second Bible for compassion and justice initiatives. So if you are passionate about helping others and community outreach efforts, I highly recommend reading this book. One of the most important contributions of this book to us as a church and to the ministry of serving tables in general is the three types of charitable interventions, relief, rehabilitation, and development. Relief is the immediate response to a need. COVID-19 is a great example of that. That was an unexpected event that demanded all of us to take urgent response. So relief is the immediate response to something, but it also should be temporary. Rehabilitation is to take someone to a pre-crisis state. 
So for example, you lost your job during COVID and you needed help with rent assistance or food, but now post COVID, you're ready to get back on your feet and find a new job and sustain your family on your own. Development is the stage where we make sure that you stay on your feet. It's achieving a higher level of sustainability and empowerment. We can all do our part in the relief front. But the truth is, if temporary relief, it's all we are offering, then we're not helping people. We're actually hurting them. And that's not what we want. So we need to seek the wisdom of the seven of our time. People and organizations with knowledge, skills that are dedicating their time, efforts, and lives to support our community and to love our neighbors the best way possible. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, great class, Anna, but where do I fit in in that? Friends, brace yourselves. Here at Grace Community Church, we fully understand that we cannot do everything for everyone. That's why we partner with incredible nonprofit and organizations locally and globally that are doing the groundwork of walking alongside the people, building relationships, providing support and empowerment from the second a crisis hit and they need relief to the steps of rehabilitation to the exciting moment where they fully reach development and they are empowered and able to sustain themselves. Working with these organizations is my favorite part of my job. Whenever I get to visit their locations or meet them for coffee to catch up and hear some stories, I am always amazed by the incredible love that they continue to pour in our community and the stories of how efficient their work is. I started feeling kind of bad that I was the only person getting all these stories, so I would love to share some of them with you. Mariela here joined Casa Chirilagua's Kids Club when she was in second grade. Volunteers and staff pour into her all stages in her life in many different ways. When she graduated high school, the first one in her family to do so, she came back to Casa as staff as a local leader, and helped run the same program that she once was part of. She was helping the students and pouring into those students the same way that she was invested in. Now she's pursuing a nursing degree in Illinois, and she actually lives with her former mentor from CASA. I remember the first time I saw and met Denisha. It was 2017 at the Little Lights Benefit Dinner, that I wasn't even supposed to go. She shared a little bit of her story, her relationship with her mentor, and how much fun and exciting it was to be part of Little Lights growing up. Fast forward five years, and Denisha is now part of Little Lights Next Step College and Career Program. And this fall, she is attending George Mason University in Fairfax with full scholarship. With the help of volunteers and Little Lights staff, She also received the Beaver Scholarship, resulting in room, board, tuition, and fees all covered for four years. You know what all these stories have in common? The impact of a volunteer. On average, 
only 15% of workforce of these nonprofits are paid employees, which means 85% of the people working with our partners are volunteers. And maybe you're one of them, or you want to be a volunteer, but you just don't understand or you don't see the impact of your service. So imagine this for a second. Without volunteers, our partners would close their doors. These organizations and all the incredible work that they do would no longer exist if they don't have volunteers to help. Today, our fifth and sixth graders are packing lunch bags with sandwiches and snacks to Path Forward, another one of Grace's partners. Right now, as I speak, that's exactly what they're doing. Here's what less than one hour of service from our students can do for our neighbors. I was homeless for a period of between 15 and 17 years. That's why after that length of time, you no longer think that anything's going to happen. Because nothing happened. Nothing has happened in 17 years to change your situation. You just don't think about it. You don't think it would ever happen. In 1990, I had my own apartment and I was working as a courier with a moped. And with a moped, I could, you know, I could make a good income. And I had three of them stolen within a period of like, you know, a year or so. And I had to go back to doing it on a bicycle. I just made a third of the income that I was able to make when I was on a motorized vehicle. But it still was not enough money to get a security deposit in the first month's rent. And then I lost my career job because I was just doing it on bicycles. And then I just ended up totally on the street uh, with no money. It was just like one bad thing after another. Every time I found a decent place, someone else would come and take it, and I would get pushed out. They would bring food, and they would leave the food, and they would leave styrofoam containers, and then rats, rats would show up. So it wasn't like I was only homeless. It was like I was homeless and I was being hounded. There's nothing you can do but take it. It just got to the point where I couldn't walk without an enormous amount of pain. I sat on that park bench for a year. I spent some very cold winters. Uh, you know, when it gets down to like 11 degrees, it takes you a whole a whole day to be indoors to warm up again. I figured I'd be homeless forever. I, 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 didn't, think this would, I didn't think this would happen. So I feel safe here in the center. It's, it's quiet, it's uh, immaculately clean and well run. There's breakfast and there's lunch and there's dinner. And uh, yeah, the food the food is very good. I've pretty much do, been doing two or three meals a day. It keeps me from uh, having to search for food and scrounge for food like I did for some years. I was thinking that, you know, that it was the end because I was at the stage of being outdoors for so long I had no feeling in my legs and my feet. I couldn't walk around, so it was pretty much, it, was, it would have been the end. My goal for next year is to be able to walk around on my own without, uh, you know, without pain, without an enormous amount of pain, and without, you know, crutches and canes and chairs and stuff. It seems possible. It seems very possible now, where not long ago it was just, it was an impossibility. I didn't know what was going to happen. Pass forward has absolutely saved my life. Absolutely. The lunch bags that our students are packing today 
are the very same ones you saw in the video with Mr. Olive's story. Simple brown bags that once was used to feed Mr. Oliver now is being used to feed another neighbor. And I use the word neighbor here, not in the general speaking, like everyone is a neighbor, but the literal description of a person that lives right next to me. All the landmarks shown in that video are very familiar to me. And they are familiar to you too, if you live in Arlington County. The courthouse plaza where I go to the movies with my friends, the IHOP that I walk to from my apartment if I'm craving French toast on a random Saturday, the guy that Mr. Oliver is hugging works at Bronson Beer Hall where I go at least once a week to eat their stuffed pretzels. The bench that Mr. Oliver called home for so long, it's located less than five blocks away from the Boston Quarter where Grace Community Church is moving soon. But I have a quick hopeful update for you. Thanks to many brown bags packed by volunteers and the relentless work of Path Forward staff, Mr. Oliver is now back on his feet, comfortably settled in his own apartment overlooking a stream. According to a study by Sterling Volunteers, over 60% of volunteers do so to improve their community. And 83% of volunteers do that for a cause they care about. And that is all that Be Rich is for, making our community stronger and caring for one another. Every single one of us can do this. Every single one of us can engage with our local partners and serve with them. I want to invite you to not only listen to these amazing stories, but to take action. Become a volunteer today. So last week, we raised the money. This week, we want to raise the hours. Do you think we can do it? Because I know we can. We worked with our partners to come up with a list of all the volunteer opportunities they have going on for this season. Between all the different options, there's got to be something in there that speaks to you. You want to serve as a math tutor or a youth mentor? We got you. You want to gather your friends and serve as a group having fun together? We got you. You want something your young kids can be part of so you can start these serving conversations with them? We got you. You want to volunteer making no sew blankets with your girls while you're watching Christmas movies? We got you. You can even volunteer to give water to the people who are running the turkey trot this year on Thanksgiving morning. So seriously, there's something for everyone to do. So go to trygrace.org slash beatrich to check it out. Right now, just grab your phone and go to trygrace.org slash beatrich. Find an opportunity on a day and time that works for your busy schedule. Gather your friends or just venture by yourself. But do it. Go serve. If we want to be a church that is famous for love, this is how we do it. Be part of this incredible movement of generosity in our community. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come before you to ask for help when it comes to taking action today. God, we know that we live in such a busy area with busy schedules and there's so much going on in our lives that it's so hard to remember that we can and we should spare some time to serve one another. So help us, God. 
free up our schedules, give us the motivation and inspire us to love one another relentlessly so we can be part of this movement of generosity that you are bringing to our community. Be with each and every one of us as we are trying to figure it out what's the next step and where we can volunteer and help us to continue to carry your love and to continue to be a church that is famous for love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.